0: Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning online and in person. It's good to be together in the house of the Lord to meet with Jesus, especially over this Christmas season. It's really all about him. And so we started this new series, three weeks of called, called Chris Mess, M-E-S-S. And we started out the first Sunday, if you were here, talking about how God created us in perfection, in relationship with him, but due to our own decisions to pursue being our own God, calling our own shots and walking outside of the boundaries that he had for us, we created a mess, right? And so that's why this series is called Chris Mess, because Jesus had to come to clean up the mess. Last week, Pastor Justin talked about how when man and woman walked out of relationship with God, God then, because of his love for us, pursued us to bring us back into relationship with him. And so today I want to talk about the whole idea of, in that pursuit, God provided his son to fill the place in our life that only he can fill. So have you ever tried to fit something in a space where it just doesn't fit? Have you ever done that? I mean, at our house, we have uh, this toy that I think most of us grew up with where you put shapes in the right places. And so we got it for our grandson, who's two and that, and so he's been working at it, and sometimes when the shape doesn't fit or whatever, he's like slamming it, you know, and trying to make it fit, we understand, right? We do the same thing, right? How about when you're loading the dishwasher, guys, and uh you're loading the dishwasher and there's that one glass, that one cup, and you're just like... Smacking it in there, you're trying, it should fit, it's gonna fit somewhere. And like you rearrange the whole dishwasher because you are certain you are gonna make it fit. Does anybody do that? Come on, be honest with me here. It's not only me, right? But, but I mean, literally, you could have washed the cup, the one left cup, like 10 times, or you could have washed all the dishes in the dishwasher. But you're still rearranging because you're like, I'm gonna make it fit. I'm gonna, it's gonna fit. It's just how it is, right? That's how we get, right? You ever try to put something on because you think it's gonna work for you? You know, it'll work. I mean, that'll fit. I can get into that, right? No, it gets a little tough. I mean, you guys in the room and maybe gals in the room that like work on engines and stuff. I mean, you ever try to get your hands in a jet ski engine and work on it or an inboard motor on a ski boat and that, and you're just like, this is impossible. I mean, there's no way that they are telling me I'm supposed to replace that part or get to it. There's no way I can get to it physically at all. It doesn't fit. I'm trying to put these in a place where it doesn't fit. But don't we try to do that, right? We're constantly trying to to fit something in where it really isn't supposed to fit at all. The French mathematician, mathematician, physicist, and philosopher Blaise Pascal was born in 1623. At the age of three, his mother passed away. His father ended up raising he and his sister and also educating them. Blaze was an incredible, smart guy. By the age of 12, he had already figured out math and physics. Soon after that, he designed and he created the very first calculator to help his dad at his work, who was a tax clerk. Not only that, he created the first wristwatch. He then later on had the concept of buses and a whole busing system and created the business. Although the guy was brilliant, although the guy was amazing at philosophy, he knew math, he knew physics, he knew business. Although he had incredible wealth, nothing satisfied his heart. He makes this statement in his book that he wrote, which was published after his death, the book Peonies, says this, What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace? This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, only God himself. Later on, this quote was paraphrased with this current quote. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. You know, in reality, because we try to satisfy our heart with everything else, Other than Jesus, we create a mess in our life. The Apostle Paul gives us a picture of this mess as he describes it in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. He says this The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy drunkenness, dissensions, ambition, selfish, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the reason that we don't inherit the kingdom of God, which is, in reality, a relationship with him, forgiveness of our sin, and in that, then, contentment and security and peace, for this life, and for eternity. But the reason that we don't inherit God's kingdom, as Paul is talking about, we don't experience God's kingdom, is because we are trying to stuff everything else into our heart to satisfy it instead of a relationship with God. It's the reality, right? We try to stuff Knowledge, we try to stuff our career, we stuff sex, we stuff entertainment, vacations, we stuff the cabin in there, or hunting or fishing, hobbies, wealth, the next best tech. We stuff relationship after relationship after relationship, hoping that we're satisfied i mean the vikings won big yesterday i mean set history right yeah there it is there it is all right but i'm still talking to vikings fans that are like no that's not real (laughs) i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop you know i mean that's it's not even they won the division people come on like give them a little bit of a all right way to go you know i mean right yeah but it, it's, it's still like, no, 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 it's, they're going to bomb, they're going to bomb, you know. <laughs> it doesn't satisfy. Nothing seems to fill the void. In Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 27, the apostle Paul is hanging out in Athens. And he recognizes their desire to fill their God-shaped hole with a God with something. He's walking around and he's seeing all these statues to all these different gods. And so we pick up the story in verse 22. It says, then Paul stood before the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I can see you are very religious in all things. As I was going through your city, I saw the objects you worship, all these statues and what they mean. I found an altar that had these words written on it, to a God who is not known. You worship a God that you don't know, and this is the God I am going to tell you about. The God who made the whole world and everything in it is the Lord of the land and the sky. He does not live in temples built by human hands. This God is the one who gives life, and breath, and everything else to the people. He does not need any help from them. He has everything that he needs. God began by making one person, and from him came all different people who live everywhere in the world. God decided exactly when and where they would live. Do you realize that God chose when and where you would live? God wanted them to look for him and perhaps search all around for him and find him, though he is not far from us. So as you can see in what Paul describes here, when God created humans, he wanted them to look around for him, to be in relationship with him. This is God's plan for our life, for creating us. He created us with this God-shaped hole in our heart that only he could fill and nothing else. That was the plan. That was the desire. But yet we read, as Paul describes, that the people of Athens were trying to fill that God-shaped hole with all kinds of other gods in their life. They created gods of sex, literally. Power, food, intellect, beauty, health, crops, you name it. They had statues, they had gods for every area, hoping that they would satisfy. But obviously, they weren't satisfying. And so that's why they still had one god statue that was to the unknown god because none of the other gods fully, truly brought their satisfaction that they were seeking. That's just how it is, right? They had all these little G-gods, but not the big G-god, Jesus Christ. And so that's where Paul said, let me tell you about this unknown God. And I'm not standing up here saying That God does not want us to enjoy career and good food. God made sex in the right context for us to enjoy. He has given us friends and marriage. He has given us career to enjoy. But he did not create them to fill this void that can only be filled by him. But yet we, even today, have created these gods, right? One of the wealthiest men ever to live is in the Bible. And I know we are all familiar with the story of Solomon, right? You know, Solomon uh, wasn't a billionaire. I mean, he wasn't a billionaire. The guy was a trillionaire by today's standards a trillionaire. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he writes how he did not withhold anything from his heart, but he ran after everything under the sun in life to try to fulfill this God-shaped hole in his heart. We read in chapter 2, it said, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no, like zero pleasure. And he had the means to do it. I mean, the guy was a trillionaire. Whatever he wanted to do, he did. Because not only was he a trillionaire, he was on top of the world. He had power as king. And in his leadership of Israel in those days, he had power over other nations around him as well because they looked to him in his wisdom. And so this is what he said. So this is what I ran after. I ran after laughter, entertainment. I ran after wine. I ran after folly, which means doing dumb stuff. I mean, he was just like doing all kinds of dumb stuff. I'm just like, I'm going after it, seeing what happens, right? I undertook great projects. I built houses, plural. I built houses. I built vineyards, plural. I built gardens, plural. Parks, he built parks for himself. I dug out reservoirs of water so that I could water ski or wakeboard, right? Right? I mean, I had all kinds of male and female slaves, even those that were born into my house, which talks about wealth of reproducing, reproducing. I had more herds and flocks than anybody in the history of Jerusalem or the land. I had silver and gold. I had singers. I had hundreds of women in my harem. I took labor and I worked hard. I studied knowledge. I sought wisdom. And so we have Solomon basically like just throwing whatever he could experience in life at this hole in his heart. I mean, he's like pegging snowballs, like kids were pegging snowballs this last few days, man. It was good back in weather, Right? And he's just pegging snowball one after another, 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 another at this empty hole in his heart because he's trying to fill it, satisfy it. And those things are satisfying. Vineyards, labor, entertainment. But they are not God, They are not God. And they do not take his place in our life when it comes to peace and security, when it comes to maintaining perspective on where things should be at in our life and how they should be ordered and how we should live amongst one another. and this whole idea of being right with God in relationship with him. All those other pursuits, he says, was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. It did not satisfy. And yet, how many of us in this room, including myself, still to this day are in pursuit are saying, once I get there, I'll be happy. Or once I get there, I'll be content. Or once I get there, then I won't be in pursuit anymore. I'll be done. But yet we don't. Because we haven't yet settled the conclusion that God alone provides us a peace that's beyond our own comprehension that will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus, that will give us security for this life, that will give us a trust and a faith that he will provide our daily bread needs, what we need for the day and then what we need for tomorrow, that he will provide after we take our last breath, that he has said that he would provide eternity, eternal life for those who call upon him as Savior and Lord. And so when it comes to this life and comes to the next life, our peace and our security, our contentment and fulfillment is only filled by him. Blaise Pascal could have made his God one of knowledge or math in particular or philosophy Even of wealth. Yet at a very young age, he came to the conclusion that none of those areas of his life or life in general satisfied the longing in his heart. Pascal wrote that we come to know God's truth not only by reason, like by intellect, but far more through the heart of faith. It is through our hearts that we come to know God and to love Him. It is by faith that we can come to know Christ. And it is God who gives us this faith to live by. Due to severe health and challenges in his life, Blaise Pascal was tormented by debilitating headaches and later on by seizures in his life. And he ended up dying at the young age of 39. Upon his death, there was a small parchment of paper that was found sewn within his vest that he wore daily. And when they opened this little piece of paper up, this is what he had wrote on it. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. Not of philosophers and scholars, right? Joy, 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 tears of joy. This is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus Christ. May I not fall far from him forever. I will not forget your word. Amen. And I wonder if that's why he had had it sewn within his vest, nearby his heart, that he may never forget that what truly completes our life and gives us fulfillment in who we are And what matters is life and life. And what can only fill that God-shaped void is truly Jesus Christ himself, right? He is the one who fulfills and takes care of that void. You know, just as a square peg, they say, can't fit in a round hole, neither can a God shaped hole inside of us be filled with anything other than God Himself, than Jesus Christ. Only through a personal relationship with Jesus can we find true peace forgiveness of our sin perspective on what life looks like and what really matters. Not only for this life, but for eternity. And so this morning we are going to celebrate communion as a reminder of why Jesus came at Christmas. Because our pursuit of filling this God-shaped hole with all that the world offers has created a mess. Not only in our life individually, but in the world around us. And when Jesus instituted communion, taking the bread and the cup He did so that we would always remember what he had done on the cross for us. And that by that, he filled that hole, the center of our life, so that we could have peace, that we could have life to the full. That yes, we could enjoy the cabin, hunting, relationships food whatever but in its right context not as god but we celebrate and we worship the god who has given us those things for our enjoyment and not to worship and so before we partake of communion here this morning. If you're sitting in the room here this morning and you know that, man, I have been in pursuit of all kinds of things in life and nothing is satisfying. I haven't gotten there yet. How I thought, like, boy, if I only get there. And so I want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and to fill that hole. Fill that hole today, this Christmas. So if you just bow your heads with me and just repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I know that I'm trying to fill this void in my heart. Like Solomon, I've thrown all kinds of thing things at it in the world. And yet, nothing fits. And so, Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Savior and Lord, the one who fits to fill my God-shaped void. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that running after all these things has created a mess. And I invite you in to put it back in order. So thank you for saving me, pursuing me and that you are my God in Jesus name. Amen. Please take the cup. And as Jesus said to his disciples before the night that he would be crucified. This is my body, which I came to give to you to fill that void in your life. Eat of it. Then he took the cup he said, this is my blood shed for you on the cross to cover your sin like the snow covers the ground so that you can be purified white. When you drink of this cup, remember what I have done for you. Drink of it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for what you have done, that you pursued us, you came, Jesus, as God in the flesh, and in dwelling among us, you filled our heart and took care of the void. And so I pray that each one of us here this morning would celebrate fully. The greatest gift at Christmas. It is you. It's nothing under the tree, but it's everything that was on the tree, Jesus Christ. And so thank you in your holy name. Amen.